1960, a little girl named Ruby Bridges was six years old. And that year, she became the first African-American child to attend an all-white Southern elementary school. You see, when Ruby was a little girl, she was not allowed to go certain places simply because of the color of her skin. And that particular year, she was one of only six kids in the entire state of New Orleans to pass a test that would allow her to attend an all-white school. Ruby was the only one of those six kids to attend the elementary school just five blocks from her home. Each day, Ruby would walk into school escorted by four federal U.S. Marshals, two that walked ahead of her and two that walked behind. Along the way, crowds of people would shout unkind words to her and make it clear that they did not believe that she should be there. And inside that big school building, hardly anyone else was there because many of the families, white families, kept their children home from school to show in one additional way that they did not believe that she should be there. Only one teacher that year agreed to teach Ruby her lessons. And because the classrooms mostly sat empty, she would pull up her seat next to Ruby to go over her lessons throughout the day. When I think of Ruby, I think of courage. The courage to not only go that first day, but to keep going every day after that. In this, our fifth week in our Character Matters series, we are taking a look at courage. And as we begin, I want to define these two types of courage we can see in Ruby. The first of the two kinds of courage was aggressive courage. Aggressive courage is acting well at the risk of great danger. It is a faithful response, an act of obedience with no promise of a good outcome. It is the type of courage we see in pivotal moments when we expose ourselves to danger for a good cause. This danger or risk could be physical, it could be social, professional, even emotional. It is the female subordinate speaking out about harassment in the workplace, the eight-year-old sticking up for the kid in their class who is always on the other end of the laughs, the firefighter risking their lives to save each member of a family in a burning home, the choice must be made and the action taken. There is another type of courage. It looks a little different and gets a little bit less airtime, both significantly fewer headlines, but it is no less courageous. Passive courage is acting well when the difficulty is already upon us, when we didn't choose it. Passive courage is struggling long. People who walk out courage in this way they do not risk death, but they risk living. They choose every day to walk with hope and purpose in spite of the hardest of circumstances that have been thrust upon them. When people or realities give them no indication that anything will ever change or get easier. Marianne Radmacher says this, courage does not always roar. Sometimes it is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. See, it's not always running into a fire to save someone. Some days it's simply going through your day in the empty house after a spouse of 50 years has died. Some days it's simply coming to church to worship after another failed hope of pregnancy because that you believe that God truly does care for you. Or it's going onto the playground again, even though last time you were made fun of. 
Lots of things can look like courage, sort of. Courage is not being a daredevil taking risks on behalf of yourself or others when they don't equally hold the chance for change as they do risk. Aristotle wrote, it is for the right and noble motive that the courageous person faces faces dangers and performs the actions appropriate to courage. You could jump off a boat into stormy waters to save a drowning child. You could also jump off a boat into stormy waters to rescue the third book in the Harry Potter series that you were reading. Only the first would be courage. Courage shows up where action and meaningful risk intersect. Louis B. Smeads writes, You can show courage by advancing. You can show courage by retreating. You can show courage by dying for a good cause. You can show courage by living for a good cause. You can show courage by saying no to compromise. You can show courage by making a heroic compromise. You can show courage by throwing off your yoke. And you can show courage by bearing it. Courage comes to life in almost any shape or form. Today, our main text is a story of four friends who carry a paralyzed man on a mat to Jesus. The place where Jesus is teaching is packed and they can't get the man to Jesus. So they do something that seems so odd and determined. They dig a hole in the roof of the home and they lower the man through the roof, placing him right in front of Jesus. Let me start out by saying that this is not the most incredible story of courage you can find in the Bible. In a lot of ways, it's missable. If you are looking for wow factor courage moments from the Bible, ask me later, because my mind has been flooded with them as I've been preparing for this week. This story, though, is the one that I kept returning to. Not a lion's den, not a battlefield, not in the throne room of a king, but rather in a neighborhood. You see, I believe God might have something for each of us in spending time seeing courage taking place within a very normal sphere of influence. So let's dive in. You can find this text in Mark chapter 2, and we'll begin with verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. On this particular day, the number of people smashed into this home have easily exceeded what first century fire codes would have been. For these four friends, there was no clear path for them to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. You can easily wonder if a milder plan had been proposed in the brainstorming process, possibly a plan that involved trying to come back earlier tomorrow before there were quite so many people, or waiting outside until Jesus took a break or was going, leaving for the night. Not as bold, less risky indeed. Whether you're one of the four friends or the paralyzed man himself, you've got to feel like something a little less center stage would have felt more comfortable. But the way that Jesus moved from town to town in his short ministry, these friends knew faithful action was required now. 
they wouldn't turn back. So more bold, more risky, they would lower their friend to Jesus today. First century homes were built with flat roofs, accessible by a staircase on the outside that went up to the top. Roofs were usually made with tiles laid across wooden beams, patched and covered with mud and straw to help insulate. So no shingles were taken up that day, and none of Jesus' words were drowned out by saws. Rather, there was probably small rustling and bits of dirt that began to fall, where one by one those crowded in the room realized what was happening. So wonder with me, why is this courage? It's an act of faith, yes. They believe getting their friend to Jesus could mean his healing. It was done with the right motive, the love and flourishing of another in pursuit of Jesus. But why was it courage? This was courage because there was risk. And where meaningful action and risk intersect, that's courage. For the friends, this was aggressive courage. They were stepping into risk. For the paralyzed man who let himself be carried, this was passive courage. He was taking action to risk a life that to him at that point must have seemed beyond reach. One commentator says this, if they're wrong, they will be the biggest laughing stocks in town and small towns have long memories. If Jesus disapproves of this at all, their paralyzed friend would be a helpless human pinata swinging in the living room of a stranger, surrounded by the entire leadership of the local religious community. Can we see their sweaty faces looking expectantly at Jesus? And in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus mentions faith. In the book of Mark, the noun or verb faith appears in four different healing narratives, and they all don't match the definition of faith as we commonly understand it. The way that faith is used in this story and in others in Mark indicates action, not just belief. Actions which transcend human obstacles or limitations and cross social boundaries. This is the kind of faith Jesus is noting in these five men. He sees their courage. Can I note the tenderness of Jesus in his response here? He's not annoyed he was interrupted mid-sentence or for long enough that he probably lost his train of thought. He was not bothered by the dust-filled air. He does not begin with apologies to the owner of the house trying to keep up social proprieties. He does not hesitate due to the religious leadership and audience and all the thoughts they might have. Rather, he immediately extended the forgiveness of sins, which in the culture of the day went hand in hand with physical healing. If we studied this text further, we would understand just how much Jesus' response in and of itself was bold and controversial and really an example of his own habit of courage. Jesus was attentive to the courage shown by these friends because Jesus himself knew courage. He displayed it over and over again in his three years of earthly ministry. It was always meaningful action done to bring just a bit more of his Father's kingdom here on earth. And it always cost him something, at least through earthly eyes. 
We see it in John chapter 8 in his response to the crowds when the woman caught in adultery is thrown at his feet. And he says, let he who has not sinned cast the first stone. He goes against the crowd. We see it in his temptation in the desert. Think of what Satan offered him, power and knowledge, esteem, when he was physically at his weakest. This was courage acting well in a way that transcended human weaknesses and obstacles. Ultimately, he stepped towards the cross. He who has described in Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He laid down his life for us because it was the only way that we could be saved from our sin. We were powerless. To some degree, I believe we as Christians are crumbling in our character because of the seemingly small moments we take the easy way out. Jesus did not walk out a passive, tentative life of inaction and then rally for the courage that it took to step towards the cross for us. Rather, he built a habit of courage. It flowed from God's heart for us as his people. And if he saw something that didn't align with that, he stepped in, he spoke up, he stood firm. Unlike so many aspects of character, courage is not something Jesus modeled for us so that if we follow his example, things will go well for us here on earth. Jesus modeled courage so that we could understand that the only genuine source of courage that we need is found in him. Jesus wanted us to see it's what it was it's in what he already did. We can do great things because he is great. Because our hope in Christ seals our eternity with him, we therefore have all that we need to walk in courage here in this life, regardless of the risks. So here's what I want us to consider as we go forward. What are you avoiding? Is there something silly or significant you were dishonest with your parents, friend, or spouse about? And you just don't know if you have the courage to bring it up. Is there something unfair or difficult in your job or in your neighborhood that you could avoid if you just stayed out of it? But what if stepping in could be standing up for the dignity and the value of someone else? Or is there something that you need to keep doing, even though everything around you is shouting you can't? Like getting out of bed another day in spite of the heaviest grief you can imagine. What would you rather not pay attention to? As we see in this text in Mark, courage starts on the home front. It starts where we are known or with the things that no one else would even know about unless we have the courage that is needed. Courage requires us to stop flying under the radar, to act well or make things right, even if it points out our own flaws and weaknesses or could get us sidelined amongst our friends or coworkers, or when day after day we're seeing no change. Secondly, get close to Jesus. How do we know if it is something that's worth the risk of stepping out in courage? How do we know what acting well looks like when a difficult moment or season falls on us? Move in the direction of Jesus, as the men in our story did today. Get close to him. They were able to do it physically, but the principle still applies. Read, listen to his word. 
Make sure at least some of the friendships you're investing in are with people who are also pursuing Jesus. When we do this, the Holy Spirit is ready and willing to guide us as we discern what is needed. Next, move forward, even if. There's an element to courage that requires you to face fear and acknowledge what's at stake. There's an incredible Old Testament story of three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and this is where I pull this phrase from. They were about to be thrown into a fiery furnace because they did not bow down in worship to the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. And there in that pivotal moment, they say that God is indeed able to save them from the fiery furnace. But even if he does not, they would not bow down in worship of the statue of the king. So take the men in our story today in Mark and let's look at their even if. They had to hold loosely enough to what others thought of them and value more the beauty and restoration that might be possible in the life of the friend that they carried. For the paralyzed man, would he lose the only friends he had since his paralysis if this didn't work out? If Jesus denied him, would he lose the last bit of dignity that he had? No. Even if they were looked down on, stared at, made fun of, or were required to pay for the damage. For these five, we know because we see of their action, their answer was, even if. Most importantly, this laying down of the even if models what Jesus did as he moved towards dying on the cross. He prayed and asked God for another way in the garden before he was arrested, but then said, not my will, but yours be done. The even if is what makes doing whatever you need to do courage. If there was not fear, worry, risk that goes along with the action, it wouldn't be courage. The problem is many of us rarely allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to experience moments where true courage involving risk is required. It goes against the culture we see around us to have the mindset of holding things with an open hand, ready to lay down what we have worked hard for. In fact, we spend a fair amount of our time, money, effort to avoid situations in every sphere of our lives that might require us to face human obstacles or limitations or crossing social boundaries. We invest in retirement funds so we don't feel vulnerable in our old age. If our friend on the playground is laughing about something we don't know about, we laugh too. We don't want to feel silly. We do this across all ages and spheres of our lives. We like to feel safe in the spotlight when it's only shining on us if we know for sure it'll make us look good. This is not always bad unless we realize that we are valuing what others think of us our toys, our possessions, our comforts, more than doing what God might be asking of us. If you can't move beyond the even if, in an area where you need courage, go back to where it all should start and keep spending time in pursuit of Jesus. I'm giving this advice because this is what I'm finding I have to do over and over again myself. Lastly, remember he will be with you. 
Jesus, in his reply to the men lowering their friend, didn't choose the response of least resistance. Over and over again, as I said before, he himself modeled courage. The more immediate difficult path that shined brightly on the things that mattered most, even though it didn't make him popular in some circles. So as those men lowered their friend and the paralyzed man held his breath, Jesus was with them. He caught their drift. He honored both the courage of the friends taking action and the courage of the paralyzed man who allowed the risk to be taken on his behalf in order to live more fully. So when you need courage, know that God is with you. He walked many roads where courage was needed, and he wants to be present with you in the ones required of you. One of the most well-known verses in the Bible is Joshua 1.9. Here God says to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This week, the halls and the worship center, worship center of this church were filled with the laughter and the singing and the silliness of incredible kids learning just this, that God will be with them. This verse was also the hospital visitor code that my husband chose for the five and a half months. We waited for our youngest daughter to come home from the hospital. I held tightly to it as I repeated the reference to the welcome desk staff every day as I checked in to see our girl. From this remarkable verse, where God himself identifies courage, I want to review these same four points again. God tells Joshua, on the verge of entering the promised land, what he needs to do. Have I not commanded you? What commands are you avoiding? What do you know because of what you see in the Bible that you aren't doing? Be in pursuit of him. Get close to him, even about the things you would rather avoid, and you will know where you need to walk in courage. Then God speaks to what Joshua's fears are, because they're there and they're real. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. These are the even-ifs. And lastly, God promises he will be with him wherever he goes. The second year that Ruby Bridges attended William France Elementary School, there were no protesters lining the sidewalks to the school, and the classrooms no longer sat empty. Ruby's courage pushed back the darkness and expanded God's borders, making that city and our world look just a little more like God's kingdom. Courage paves new courses. Courage, likely with some cost to you, should make your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, city, and our world look just a little bit more like why Jesus came, why he gave his life and died on the cross for our sins. So when you're wondering whether or not this is a moment or a season for courage, ask yourself, would this bring a little more of him here? And then remember, he is with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the courage that you showed over and over again in your life here on earth. And Lord, we pray and ask that you would make us people of courage 
in the small moments that could be missable. Lord, that we would honor you in the way that we treat and walk in courage for the beauty and flourishing of others. We praise you and thank you today. In your name we pray, amen.